0: And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up tomorrow, a different take on the tunnel. Later today, President Biden will be in Baltimore touting the BMP Tunnel, one of the projects that will be paid for by the Infrastructure Act. The tunnel is advertised as a way to shorten the time it takes for passenger trains to travel between New York and Washington. But opponents of the project fear that freight trains will carry environmental hazards underneath the streets of West Baltimore, and they suggest a better way to make the Northeast Corridor quicker. So we'll talk about it tomorrow on Midday. And now, the problem with plastics. Most of the plastics that we encounter in our consuming lives cannot be recycled, and the pollution from plastics is causing great environmental harm, from the petrochemicals it takes to make it to toxic exposure while using it and the waste it creates when it's dumped in underdeveloped countries. Lisa Ramsden is a senior oceans campaigner at Greenpeace USA, and she joins us on Zoom from Durham, North Carolina. Ms. Ramsden, thank you for your time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So why does plastic recycling not work in your estimation?
1: It doesn't work for a lot of reasons. Um, To start, it's really difficult to collect all of the plastic waste that we consume every day. If you think about all of the households and businesses spread out across this country, it requires a lot of energy and time to collect all of that plastic and then send it to a recycling facility. And then once it gets to a recycling facility, it's really difficult to sort through all of those plastics and other materials. Most places have single stream uh, recycling, which means that plastics are mixed with glass and paper and cardboard. So all of that has to be sorted. And then there are so many different types of plastic that have to be sorted out after that. Um, So all of this is very time consuming and expensive. And then when the plastics are sorted and it comes time to actually reprocess them, it's a pretty environmentally harmful process. Those plastics oftentimes have to be um, kind of crunched down and broken apart into smaller pieces, which can create microplastics, which might wind up in the natural environment. Um, and it's plastic often can't be turned into the same grade of plastic that it was originally. So it gets downcycled into carpet or other other items. Um, and then plastics contain some toxic materials and they might come into contact with toxic materials and plastics aren't inert like metal and glass. They can absorb those materials. So you might be putting a plastic milk jug in the same recycling bin as um, a container that contained pesticides or motor oil. So there can be some cross-contamination issues there. And all of this kind of culminates for the big reason that plastics are just not economical to recycle. It's often cheaper for companies to buy new plastic than recycled plastic. So it's just... It's a complicated system, and overall, it's not economical to use recycled plastics. And plastic
0: is in a category by itself. Uh, in other words, it's very different than recycling glass or metal or other containers, paper, that kind of thing, right? I mean, it, it, plastic, because as, as I understand it from a report that uh, Greenpeace issued uh, recently, Uh, most U.S. plastic, most of the the plastic that we use here uh, for packaging of goods or, you know, in water bottles, that kind of thing, it's not recyclable. I mean, you're not, it it just doesn't even work to recycle it. So not only if, if, even if we could solve all the problems you just identified, uh, most of what uh, people are using for these packages uh, can't be recycled to begin with. Do I have that right?
1: That's right. And the issue here isn't with recycling. The issue is with plastics. And in 2021, U.S. households generated about 51 million tons of plastic waste and only 2.4 million tons of it was recycled. That's about 5%.
0: Wow. So what should we do with the the vast majority of plastic that can't be recycled? What's, What's the answer here?
1: It's difficult to answer what we should do with that plastic that's not recyclable um, because what's happening to it is it's either just winding up in landfills, um, being shipped to other countries, or being incinerated. And none of those are great options. So, what we really need to do is to stop producing so much single use plastic. And it's the single use plastics that are the most egregious things here. The items, you know, like plastic water bottles and forks and Um, to-go containers that we use for just a couple of minutes and then throw away or hope that they get recycled we need to stop producing those and we need the big companies who are producing most of this plastic like coca-cola pepsico nestle and unilever we need them to rethink how they're getting their products to consumers and invest in systems of refill and reuse And these aren't new concepts. You used to be able to buy a Coca-Cola or um, a jug of milk in a glass bottle that you would use and then return and it would be sanitized and refilled. Um, So we really need to we need these big companies to to think of new ways to get their products to consumers. And that's really what's going to create the shift.
0: What about the color of plastics? Um, I understand that uh, the PepsiCo company, which owns Sprite, is going to change the Sprite bottle from a green bottle to a clear bottle. What does that do? A plastic bottle we're talking about. So it's not a glass bottle here still. They're still doing plastic. But what 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 is the reason for that?
1: Yeah, so... Green plastics are much more difficult to recycle. Um, so it was Coca-Cola, I believe, owns Sprite. So they oh, okay. um, they announced last year that they would switch their bottles to clear so that they would be more recyclable, which in theory is good, but um, plastic bottles like that are made from PET um, and they're plastic number one, for those who are familiar with the, the number on the bottom of the bottle. And those are actually only being recycled at a rate of about 20% in this country. So while it's good in theory to make it more easily recyclable, it still might not be recycled. So it would be better instead of focusing on changing the color of one plastic to another different type of plastic color um, to switch to systems of refill and reuse. That would be more of a a long-term solution.
0: Lisa Ramsden is a senior oceans campaigner at Greenpeace USA. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. We're talking about recycled plastic and how much of it can't be recycled and how there's a, a definite need to reduce our reliance on single-use plastics. Our number here, 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wipr.org. You can tweet us at midday wipr. Let's go to Spice, who's on the line in Baltimore. Welcome to Midday with Lisa Ramsden
2: hello there this is spice and i'm the chair of the greater baltimore group of the sierra club and i just wanted to say that we are all all the environmentalists around here are working on a bring your own bag bill in baltimore county i know that we want to um get rid of single-use plastic bags in maryland we're also uh, going to work on a bottle bill in maryland which is what you were talking about returning your um, bottles and getting them sanitized and then you get a nickel back Um, we're also working on composting which is um, part of you know our landfill issues and uh, the incinerator issues but I just wanted to say that you know I really feel like the way that the oil and gas industry has pushed that everything needs to be in plastic when you go to the grocery store is such a sham I'm not buying any um berries right now unless I go to the farmers market because they're all in these non-recyclable containers. And also I um I remember Doctor Caldicott, Helen Caldicott who's part who founded the Physicians for Social Responsibility saying to leave all the plastic at the grocery store because that's not what we're buying. And they are the middle men or the middle people, the grocers, and they need to stop. You know, we need to figure out a different way. Of going grocery shopping when people feel like everything needs to be in plastic.
3: All right, thank
2: well,
0: you. All right, thank you, Spice. I appreciate. It. And Lisa Ramson, let's talk about plastic bags in particular. Um, I used to recycle the plastic bags that uh, we did use. We didn't use that many because we were, uh, you know, bringing reusable bags. But um, I stopped doing that because uh, I went to an organic market called Mom's here in Baltimore, who said that they've stopped receiving plastic bags because there was no market for them. There was no place to recycle them. So there are actually places still accepting plastic bags that, you know, give you the impression that they're going to be recycled. Um, But it's very possible that those things are simply getting thrown away. Are plastic bags in a separate category? Can they be reused or repurposed or recycled in any way?
1: Plastic bags fall under that sort of most egregious single-use plastic category that I was talking about earlier. Um, Most flexible and flimsy plastics like that, including films, um, are just not recyclable. So yes, for decades, we've all been bringing those plastic bags back to the grocery stores, and they most likely were just winding up in the trash can because there is no market for those uh, flimsy films and plastic bags.
0: Who decides whether something is plastic, whether some kind of plastic is recyclable? For example, um, the caller who's with the Sierra Club just mentioned that the containers that, you know, blueberries or blackberries or strawberries might come in are not recyclable. There's the little triangle and there are numbers inside the triangle. Uh, what, what, What does a particular material have to do to qualify as being recyclable?
1: That's a great question. So plastics number one and two, those are generally our bottles and jugs. Those are the more high quality plastics, which makes them easier to recycle um, and to be reused over and over again, because most of these plastics, again, have to be downcycled and turned into something of lesser quality. As we get into plastics number three through seven, they are it's already starting from a lesser quality of plastic, so it can't be down. It has to be downcycled into something of lesser quality. So there's not much of a market for recycled plastics three through seven because of the poor quality of it, um, and those. That's including things like uh, coffee pods, a lot of to-go containers, um, yogurt tubs, and it's. I think it's partially the economics. You know, there's not much market for these uh, plastics to be recycled and then also just due to the quality of the plastic itself.
0: Let's go to Walter, who's on the line in Crofton. Welcome to Midday with Lisa Ramsden.
3: Thank you, Tom, and great to hear from you, uh, Ms. Ramsden. So we are, uh, I work for the EPS Industry Alliance. If I showed you EPS, expanded polystyrene, you'd say, oh, styrofoam. We're a drop-off location for recycling here in Crofton. Um, unfortunately, there's not many left. Uh, when Maryland had the, or Baltimore had Sisson Street location, um, they lost their backhaul when they banned the food service. So um, the difficulty with the collection is because we've made it so convenient with just a couple of taps of a button to have the product and the packaging dropped on our doorstep, but we haven't gone to the point to make that back end. As convenient, so citizens can bring their stuff here. We have a truck that comes by every Wednesday. It takes it up to Leola, Pennsylvania, where it's made into new plastic. The thing with you know downcycling, it's there is a robust market for the scrap. The challenge that the MRFs have, or the the municipal recycling facilities, is getting that really good quality bale of plastic that's all the same material. It was uh, Dr. Crooms testified at a Senate hearing as to the difficulty uh, with the number ones or the dyed number two, and I think she really put a lot of great information into that. And because of that, people realized, oh, that orange-colored detergent bottle is not as recyclable as the unbleached and the undyed. And that's something that we can do to kind of make it easier to make those really good-quality bales that can go back into – Um, The stream of commerce. Okay. Um,
0: Yeah, I I hate to cut you off, but there's a lot of information to unpack there. And Lisa Ramson, in our our last few minutes here, um, what about this market? Uh, Walter's uh, asserting that there is this robust market for recyclable uh, materials. I understand that China used to uh, buy a lot of this stuff from the United States, and it's been some years now uh, in which they have not uh, bought. Uh, this material, and so there was a, a problem that the the market sort of dried up. So, um, wh- where where does that stand in your estimation?
1: So, I think there are some parts in the country that are still taking a lot of these recyclables, but yeah, as you pointed out, China stopped taking our plastic waste in 2019. So we are now trying to figure out what to do with all of it. And I think the overarching issue here is that we just have too much of this plastic waste. And it's way too easy, as the last caller said, to get that plastic and that packaging delivered right to your doorstep. We're just being inundated with plastic. So rather than trying to focus on, you know, we're finding the market for these recyclable plastics, we really need to be more solutions oriented and start stopping this plastic flow at the tap. Um, We're just producing way too much plastic and it will be much easier to recycle plastic in the future if we stop producing so much of it, we just have too much plastic waste on our hands.
0: And in uh, just our last minute here, we have a caller who we're not going to have time to get to, but talk about the situation with plastic waste in the ocean. We've all heard the stories about these you know, gigantic islands of plastic floating around. Uh, where do things stand in that regard?
1: Plastic waste in the ocean is still a huge issue. I was on a Greenpeace ship a few years ago that went through, spent about 20 days going through the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and... It's not a big floating plastic island, um, as it's been talked about. It's actually more like a plastic soup because plastics get into the ocean. They flow in from rivers during rainstorms and lots of other ways that plastic winds up in the ocean. But then it starts to break down from the salt water and the UV rays, and it turns into smaller and smaller bits of plastic. So you don't see massive amounts of plastic just with your naked eye, but when you skim along the surface with a net um, and collect the water and what's on top of the water, you just find tons and tons of microplastics. And this is an issue because fish are eating it and birds are eating it and other wildlife can become entangled in it. And it's, yes, there's so much ocean uh, plastic out there in the ocean and it is still a huge issue. Um, But plastics are polluting from... The moment they're extracted from the ground as fossil fuels till when they are disposed of or wind up in our nat- natural environment.
0: Okay, so bottom line, we need to l- use less of it by a lot. Lisa Ramsden is a senior oceans campaigner at Greenpeace USA. Thanks for your time and uh, for the information. Uh, as disconcerting and uh, downright depressing as it is, um, but it's good to know. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Coming up, Jennifer Congdon, the deputy director of an organization called Beyond Plastic. So, we'll talk about what some of the alternatives are. I'm Tom Hall. It's midday. Stay with us.
3: This is 88.1 WYPR.
0: And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you've just joined us, we're talking about the dangers of plastic pollution around the globe. My next guest is the deputy director of an environmental justice organization called Beyond Plastic. Jennifer Congdon joins us on Zoom from upstate New York. Ms. Congdon, Welcome to the show. Thanks for your time.
4: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And listeners, you're welcome to join us as well. 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at org. To tweet us, it's at MiddayWIPR. So, Ms. in your organization, Beyond Plastic, what is uh, the gist uh, and the animating force behind the work that you do? What would you like to see happen?
4: Well, uh, our mission is to end plastic pollution everywhere. And uh, some people giggle when they hear us say that, but we're really serious about that. Um, You heard from uh, your wonderful speaker earlier from Greenpeace about plastic pollution. And she touched on at the end how plastics really pollute from the moment they're extracted as fossil fuels um, and sent off uh, to be uh, to cracker facilities, they're called, to um, be turned into polyethylene and other plastics. Um, and the communities that live around those facilities are uh, really burdened by the plastic pollution at that side of it. And then plastics pollute our us in our own lives. Um, if we're microwaving something in plastic, which you should never do, um, they plastics and the chemicals in those plastics can leach out into our food. Um, and then, as you heard, once they're out in the environment, they break up into smaller bits and become microplastics. And those microplastics are getting into everything. They're from the, the tallest mountains uh, to the deepest trenches of the oceans. Um, and they've been found in the human blood, uh, the all three sides of the human placenta um, and human breast milk. Um, our babies are being born pre-polluted. And so we really take the mission seriously of ending plastic pollution through its entire life cycle.
0: and as we speak now, what is happening to the majority of this this plastic waste globally? I mean, Uh, we were talking just a minute ago about how so much of it is not recyclable what happens to that stuff where does it end up uh you know if china isn't buying it anymore etc um uh, where what is the market for plastic waste right now
4: well uh most plastics do still end up in a landfill um once China closed its doors to accepting plastic waste imports, uh, the most of the world continued to ship their plastic waste to the global south. Um, and this plastic often goes into open pits, um, really noble workers come through uh, called waste pickers and will pull out the bits of number one and number two plastics that are slightly more valuable. Um, And sadly, much of the rest of it is burned. And that is, you know, or burned in incinerators right here in the United States. Um, Anytime you're burning plastic, you are releasing dioxins and a host of a host of pollutants that are really toxic. Um, And so it's it sadly, it's just polluting in every any anything you do with it, basically, it's continuing to cause pollution.
3: And of
0: course, and, that the the, the places yeah. that burn this uh, tend to be in low-income areas. So there really is a disproportionate effect on uh, low-income communities, often of which uh, often which are are uh, colors of uh, communities of color.
4: Absolutely. And um, to to jump over to the global south for a moment, you know, we're shipping our plastic waste to places that do not have the infrastructure um, even to try to recycle um, what we're sending them. And a lot of times this plastic is being burned in open pits with zero pollution controls. But back to the US, even in the communities where there are incinerators with pollution controls, it's not capturing everything. And these communities, you're absolutely right, tend to be communities of color and low income communities. And they are being burdened by more by our plastic pollution um, than than others.
0: We have an email from a listener, Diane, who says, when you go to a restaurant, take a reusable box for your leftovers. Uh, the restaurants then don't need to furnish you with something that can't be recycled. She says, I do this now, uh, and it works just fine. Uh, email from Matt, who says, I heard on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me a few weeks ago that it takes something like 70,000 uses of a cloth bag to get the same carbon footprint of a single plastic bag. Uh, and that wasn't the joke question question. Um, right. When it comes to uh, the, the next frontier of this, we have another email that says plastics are a huge problem now, but what about batteries uh, going forward? Will they become the next big problem? Um, do you have any uh, experience in that regard? I guess batteries do involve a, a certain amount of plastic themselves.
4: Right, right. Well, I want to say first, um, because it, it'll lead into that question. The, the first email you got um, I applaud Diane and others for individual action. It's really important that we that we all do our part. Um, at Beyond Plastics, we really we try to to we we encourage people to look further upstream for the solutions. We need systemic changes. Um, we there's a, a a favorite quote that I have, which is we don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing it imperfectly. And the way you do that is through regulations, new laws and regulations. And one of the things, uh, one of the the laws we've been working on in many states around the country is extended producer responsibility for packaging. The idea of extended producer responsibility is that the manufacturer has to become responsible for the the end of the product life. Um, And that's usually a financial obligation. And through those policies, we can require reduction, as you heard um, from the, your Greenpeace guest. Uh, we really need to reduce the amount of plastics that we're just putting out onto the market. And that is a extended producer responsibility is a tool that we can use to get there. Um, and then to batteries. So extended producer responsibility is not uh, just something used for packaging, it can be used for other hard to recycle um, items as well. So batteries, electronics, paint, carpets. Um, And there are things that you have to make sure are in the bill, obviously, in the law to make sure that the producers are really held accountable and that there's high standards for what is recycling um, and high just high targets for recycling and reduction numbers. But I think some states... Uh, already have battery recycling laws, and and uh, EPR is a good um, a good policy to deal with those types of products as well.
0: We have an email from a listener who says uh, we can control things at the source in two ways. The first is mandate that manufacturers put their name on these materials and if they don't uh, find them and then put a high tax on these plastic products 10 cents a pound is what he's recommending increasing five cents per year to tax it I mean in terms of public policy is that uh, the sort of thing that uh, you're you're advocating for at this juncture to, to turn the tide and get people to use plastics uh, less frequently
4: Uh we're not advocating for for a tax specifically, but we are advocating for the brand owners um, to be responsible for end-of-life management of the products, which would mean that they would need to pay money on those products. And it should be more expensive to pay for, uh, to manage products that are more expensive to manage, that are more environmentally damaging. In a way, it's Internalizing the the costs that are that exist that have up until now been externalized, um, and so it's it's not a tax per se, but it would be there would be um, costs for the manufacturers associated with different types of packaging material, um, and that money we advocate for that to be reused to go back and relieve people's taxes, because right now you and I as taxpayers are paying for the disposal of these materials. Um, And then also to go to build that reuse and refill infrastructure that you heard about earlier. Um, Funding for schools, for dishwashing equipment um, and hospitals so that we don't have to use so much single use material. Um, and new ways, you know, maybe some grant funding for grocery stores to set up reuse and refill systems right in their grocery stores.
0: And, you know, there, this is something that we used to do all the time. Milk came in bottles that was dropped in front of your door, and then you you, yep. know, you, you gave the bottle back. Same thing with uh, soda, that kind of thing. You can do it at farmer's markets now. I know the farmer's market that I attend. Uh, you can bring your olive oil uh, container and they'll fill it up with olive oil. You don't have to buy a new one in a plastic bag. So there are a lot of uh, a lot of options. Um, real quickly, in terms of China, what made them stop taking it? I mean, they took it for a long time uh, on the assumption that they were, you know, making money. They had they had something to do with it. They could recycle it or sell it or something. But what changed? Do you know?
4: Um, they were overwhelmed by the amount of unrecyclable and useless dirty plastic they were they were receiving mixed bales um that were contaminated in many ways either with plastics that were unrecyclable or other um just Hmm. contaminants that are commonly found in the recycling stream yeah Um, so they just gave up yeah they did yeah Yeah. (laughs) they said no more we've had enough of the (laughs) plastic waste
0: all right well that's all the time we have Jennifer Jennifer Cognon is the deputy director of Beyond Plastic thanks so much for your time I'm grateful
4: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: That's it for us today. Coming up tomorrow, President Biden is proud of the project that will build a new train tunnel here in Baltimore. He's in town today singing its praises, but there are residents of West Baltimore that don't think it's a great idea. We'll talk about trains and where they should be routed tomorrow on Midday. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Have a great day.
3: This is Baltimore's
1: NPR news station, 88.1 WYPR.